Welcome to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. This is Dr. Jay Calvert. Today, of course, I am here joined by my very excellent co-host, also a battler of implant infections, <laughs> Dr. Millicent Rovello. Good evening. How's it going? It's going good. Yeah? I, I am dealing with some uh, nasal implant infections. Ooh, better you than me. They are not easy. Oh, they are, they are awful. They are not easy is an understatement. No, and I've, I've dealt with many. Um, and the prompt for this podcast, which uh, is very exciting, is that I saw a patient back who is a, think, I think it's 12-year follow-up for a nasal implant infection, an implant that was placed in another part of the world. 25 years before I saw her. So that would mm. have been like in 1985. Wow. <laughs> yeah. And then 25 years goes by and she gets an implant infection in her nose. She comes to me. We did a single stage removal of the implant, reconstructed it on the spot. Gave lots of antibiotics, all that stuff. But as soon as the implant comes out, my feeling is that the antibiotics can take care of the infection at the site, which it did. And she had preoperative antibiotics. One operation, 12 years later, here she is with a great looking nose. That is a very beautiful story because sometimes these can go the other way completely. So that is wonderful to hear. They can. But they I can want... Very poorly. I want to back up... <laughs> to why these implants get infected, number one. And number two, why do they happen so late in the course of their placement? Is that normal? Is that usual? When do you usually see these kind of problems? And I ask because I have people ask me all the time who have implants in their noses and they're worried about them. And they're like, well, it's been three years. I'm fine, right? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> Survey says no. No. Uh, so implants in the nose are pretty much a bad thing in my book. Um, and these are, they're not, first of all, most common operation performed on earth. Implants in the nose? No way. Yes. Huh. Dorsal nasal implant. Okay. I mean, these are typically what kind of implants? Silicone? Silicone's most common. Yeah. And the reason it's most common is because they are placed for Asian rhinoplasty and there's a lot of countries where Asian rhinoplasty is really popular and yes. it's a very easy operation and people that don't have a prominent bridge who want a prominent bridge, which is a lot of Asian peoples, um, they can get it done. Boom. Yeah. Easy. Simple, easy, 15 minutes, 20 minutes, a little incision in the nose, undermine the skin, get the implant and you're done. Um, the problem is, is that the nose is not a very clean place mm -mm. and foreign bodies in the nose that are really close by to the bacteria can get infected. Typically, it's at the time of surgery. And I think the extrusion infection rate is like 7%. It's high. It depends on what study you read, et cetera. But the fact that these can get infected late is just like we talked about. It's the nose, and there's a foreign body in the nose. And it doesn't take much for a little bacteria to translocate to get into the space where the implant is. Tissues thin over time. There's a lot of reasons that can happen. Immune system dips a little bit. Boom. 
infected implant and the only thing that you can do to fix it is to take it out yeah it has to i I do believe that it does have something to do with the proximity of the bacteria because you don't typically see that in something like a knee implant or a breast implant because over time those form capsules around them which really wall off that implant from the rest of the body and so those initial six weeks after placement is when it's most susceptible because there's no capsule around it but once that capsule's formed that implant's generally pretty walled off from the body and bacteria doesn't translocate through that capsule but i suppose in the nose those capsules are not as well formed and the bacteria literally live right next to it. So there's just a higher chance of it getting in there. Uh, yeah, and, and a lot don't get infected. I mean, sure. 93% don't. But the ones that do can come out through the tip of the nose. They can extrude into the nose. They can come through the, uh, through the uh, forehead, which I've mm-hmm. had a uh, few, uh, where the uh, implant will erode through the forehead. And do you think that is because it's infected or just because thinness of the skin over time, pressure of the implant? It's infected. It's infected, that's, yeah. and that's so, why it erodes through. Yeah, and, and, you know, and on that same note, I have a patient now who contacted me that has a low-grade infection. This is how it starts. So here's the story, because I, I have some that have gone poorly. The typical story is... I smell something in my nose. I have a dorsal implant. I think it's infected. Mm. They come in. You see it's a little red. It, you know, the skin doesn't look great. And you're like, okay, you're right. This is probably infected. Um, and you can do cultures and stuff like that if you dare. But if you touch the implant, it's going to be infected. So then you say, well, we need to take it out. My move is to reconstruct immediately. Because I feel that I can cool down the implant with some antibiotics, take it out and reconstruct on the spot and not have to deal with anything because, you know, if it's an immunocompetent person, then you can do that and the antibiotics will clean up the infection. You'll be taking out the inciting, you know, foreign body and then you're good to go. There there are some exceptions with, uh, with Medpor, which we'll talk about. Because the med pore is different, uh, but with Gore-Tex, with uh, silicone, um, smooth substances. Yeah, these are these yeah. are ones where you can take them out and fix them. Yeah, even if it has eroded through, you can do the same thing. It's a little more tenuous, and I always tell the patients, "Look, if this gets infected, it all has to come out. And we're going to start over." But I think. It's best if we can reconstruct right away because the concept of taking it out, letting it scar down, oh. and going back and chiseling through that yeah. scar tissue is not pleasant. Yeah, that's really that's really tough. Nobody would fault you for doing it. Not at all. And if you, but not at all. So that would technically be the safe thing one could say because you take it out, let the infection resolve, and then go in and put in new grafts. However, if what you do is, like you said, take it out and reconstruct immediately, yes, there's a chance it could get infected, but there's also a high chance that it won't, and then you have a great outcome. So the patient sort of has to understand both options and decide which one they're willing to risk yes. doing. And I have a very significant series of these patients, which one of the fellows really needs to step up and help me publish <laughs> because I've got a ton of these. You do. You have a decent amount. I, I do. I've and noticed I, over the years. Yeah. I mean, they just, they come to me because people are like, ah, 
It's true. You know, <laughs> kind of in the, in this community, when anybody, a dermatologist, another plastic surgeon, sees an eroded implant, it's like an immediate call to Jay Calvert. I got the guy for you. <laughs> right. So, you know, and being able to take care of them is, you know, it, it's important. You have to. I've had, uh, you know, even. Uh, you know, one of my best friend's wives had a had a infection of some alloderm that uh, was eroding through her nose, and I I did I just didn't know what to do. I was like, you know, I, I think I have to just take it all out and reconstruct, and we did, and one shot done. Yeah, she's good. So I have a question. Say you have this patient who comes to you, like the one you just described, a little bit of a funky smell in the nose, skin's a little red, but otherwise the implant isn't coming through, there's no defects in the skin, and she says, I really don't want to take this out. Can we salvage this with, say, two weeks of IV antibiotics? No. Because <laughs> eventually it's going to... The answer, my friends, is no. <laughs> <laughs> you can't. And so I have one patient which who is very lovely... And, and she's sweet as could be, but she came to me with an infected implant and it was riding up on her forehead and her tip was all over the place. And I said, look, this thing's coming out and it's going to come out in a bad way. It's either going to come through your forehead or it's going to come through the tip of your nose. And, and I don't want to be there when that happens because it's going to make this reconstruction really difficult. So let's do it now. And they said, oh, we think we can wait, you know, the, they just want they wanted to give it time and like we'll just use some antibiotics it'll be okay i said no what <laughs> sure enough the next time i saw them 6 months later now it was 6 months so they were right there they did have some time but the next time i saw them 6 months later silicone sticking through the tip of the nose totally rotting out of the nose oh and i was really upset and I was upset for her because number one, now there's a scar on the tip of her nose, which is right. not—it it that's just, just not that's make permanent. Great. Yeah, you can do a forehead flap. That's the way to fix that. Yeah. But we've managed to fix her, but it's taken like three operations, and and it's re- like we we got it right on the first one. You know, we got it out, we fixed everything up. There was a ton of inflammation. It didn't get infected, but it was just so scarred in that I couldn't even get the tip to derotate. So now I've derotated it. It looks better. We need to do some fat grafting, things like that. But boy, what a what a mess. It was so painful. By the way, these cases are all on my Instagram. You can, <laughs> you can go look at them and you'll just be like, oh, oh yeah, that's yeah, the one. That. Yeah, I see yeah. that silicone implant coming through the tip of the nose. And oh, yeah, look at that one. That healed really nicely. And yeah, I mean, there's just a lot that, that you know, implant infections are not easy. They really aren't. And they require a lot of, I mean, I think the operative intervention is probably the most important. And then the reconstruction certainly is what they need afterwards. And then there's the post-operative care and the antibiotics and checking them frequently and making sure everything's on track. How long do you keep them on the antibiotics for? Let's see. Usually... Till the cows forever. Come <laughs> <No>. <laughs> usually it's like two to three weeks. I yeah. usually get infectious disease involved. Yeah, I usually do. Um, not all the time, but you know, I'm, I'm always like, you know, how many weeks should we do? You know, yeah, that's it's, helpful. That's what they do. They kind of that's their that's, job. That's their job. Yeah. They're, they're helpful that way. Um, 
I don't always do it. If it's like a straightforward thing, then I'll just say, yeah, just do this and we'll watch yeah. it. And they usually get better. Um, but late infections do happen. The question of like, why is something at 25 years getting infected is, is really, it, it, it's difficult to know, but I, I think it's all the things we talked about, aging, immune system, yeah. thinning of the tissues, blah, blah, blah. So that always like leads me to think like, should I be telling people like prophylactically change out your implant and get a rib graft? I mean, that seems kind of aggressive. I don't know. Have you seen implants in an elderly patient? I'm just thinking of like, as you get older and your skin gets really thin, what happens to that implant? They do. Okay. I mean, uh, I I have seen a bunch Mm. actually and that they do. Okay. Yeah, I mean, they don't, it's not like a guarantee that it's going to become infected. It's not, you know, well, you know, you, you hit 70 and now your implant <laughs> comes through your nose. That, that hasn't been the case. Right, right. Um, they actually do okay. You know, I think if they settle in and they're there, that's why I, I wouldn't tell people to go do that. No. 90% are going to be fine, you know. Yeah. Um, do you like the way they look? No, not really. <laughs> I like my autogenous reconstructions better. But we didn't ask that. I asked it. Yeah. I think I, was, uh, <laughs> I think I asked that question. So the that topic is, is mostly. implant infection, doctor. <laughs> yeah, but you should get natural reconstruction with your own. You should, if you want a bridge, like I got, like I got game, I can make you a bridge. You know, there's a way to do it. Of um, course. There's a whole podcast about that. Dice cartilage and fascia. You know, we, we, we'd refer you to that one. Uh, but I think these do turn out well. Like, I mean, I have an upcoming case that, you know, we're going to do this. We're, it's, it's low-grade infected. It's on antibiotics now. And I said, well, we can either wait till it becomes a real problem or we can do it We can do it before it's a big problem. And we, they've chosen to do it before it's a big problem, Good. which I think is very wise. Right. And, and I have, a, you know, and she doesn't really like it either. She's, like, she's not crazy about her implant. And she's, you know, kind of said, like, well, since you're doing it, can you like derotate my tip yeah. and like do this and make this smaller, make a nose like you like to make? I was like, sure, yeah, I'm happy to do that. Um, but that that's the other side too. Is I, I'm not, you know, some of them look fine. Yeah, that's true. I probably put in one silicone implant like every eight years, nine years, because it's just like the recalcitrant to other things, too much scar tissue. Like it's the right thing to do for that patient. It's pretty rare. Yeah, but I I still use them. I mean, they're not. It's not out of the question. They're 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 good implants, and you just have to be willing to accept. It's like doing you know buttocks implants. You have to accept that there's a higher infection rate. You know, you're gonna yeah. put implants around. You know, that's a, a dirty area. That's a that's a nasty neighborhood. Yeah, you know, you have to make that incision like its neighbor's a total asshole, and uh, <laughs> you know. Just <laughs> Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> yeah, I figured you'd like that. And for your listeners, that's because the incision that you have to make for butt implants is seven centimeters above the anus. So, thank you for explaining. Mm, I just you know wanted yeah. to clarify because you found it funny. Maybe somebody else will. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think that you know implant infections are real. They happen. Uh, they happen to good surgeons. They. Uh, it, you know, it sucks because you have to take it out. You start over. You know, it's just, uh, it's really frustrating. We refer you to our complications podcast about us being frustrated as you are. It is. It's hard. 
But let, get you through it. That's the whole goal of it. That's the goal yep. with all the complications, as we said, to get you through it and get you moving on with your life. That's the goal, the ultimate goal. For sure. Yeah, so that's, that's I think, about the size of it on the nasal implants. I really would like one of the fellows to help me write up this series of uh, of patients. I, I think it was Phil Dawa that was supposed to help me do that. And like he, he punted. Many, many years ago. <laughs> I know. He's, he's been in practice. I got kids like it, yeah, I know. as long as he's been in practice. No, just kidding. Um, he keeps having kids, though. He's got tons of kids, this guy. That's what you do in Texas. I guess. You a big family. Work the farm. Big, whatever you do. Big cars, big family, big houses. I got a lot of kids. <laughs> it's true, you do. Four. <laughs> that's that. Four is so many of you. It's just incredible. So I think that's about it on on nasal implant infections. Um, you know, don't if you have a nasal implant, don't sit there freaking out that you're going to like get an infection. You're not. You know, some somebody will, but like the odds are you won't. Um, but if you notice something funny, yeah, get it you know, checked out. It. it, it if you head it off at the pass, you can get it taken care of. Yep. And this is not designed to scare everybody with nasal implants to come in and get autogenous reconstructions. Uh, you know, it's it's definitely it, it, it's it's something to be aware of. It, it is common just because there's a ton of nasal implants floating around the world. There's you know a ton being put in like as we're sitting here talking, and you know some of them are going to do great. Most of them are. I agree. Well, then that's all there is. So this is the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast coming to you from the 90210. Thanks for listening to the Beverly Hills Plastic Surgery Podcast. If you want to reach Dr. Ravello or myself, we're available for consultations. We can also be reached through the websites. Dr. Ravello, what's your website? My website is RovelloPlasticSurgery.com. And the phone number to reach us here in the office is 310-954-1355. And I do want to mention Rock Spa, which is the sponsor, truly the financial backer of this podcast. And Rock Spa is the Medispa that's located both in Newport Beach and Beverly Hills, providing Botox, fillers, lasers, microneedling, esthetician services like hydrofacials. We have incredible people. They do great stuff. And I highly recommend taking a look at the websites, rockspanewportbeach.com or rockspabeverlyhills.com. All the information is also on my website, drcalvert.com.